ice cream, bring that ice boy. Walking know that side, yeah. They can't tell me why. Word, I don't even need no lies. Hey, got my own little spy. Hey, know me. Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Earn Time More podcast. Back with another one. What's good? We got Josh today. What's going on, Josh? What's up, fellas? Welcome How back living? to the podcast, y'all. Oh, this, this, is, this is episode 40. We about to this get it in, right here. All right. Oh, dang. <laughs> Mr. Yeah, Optimist. Man. Yeah, uh, FaZe and Josh, they had a uh, little little dialogue in the background while we was getting everything together. Yeah. So uh... Optimist Prime. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Listen, I, I wish we wouldn't talk so much before we got on, but uh, uh, yeah, we, we definitely got a lot to discuss today. Yes, sir, man. There's a lot going on. Um, dang, I, I don't know if we want to open that conversation, maybe for another time. Uh, <laughs> but it basically is a lot going on right now with the, the Asian population and, uh, you know, they, they fighting for their rights. So good for them, man. Shout out, shout out to the Asian population. You know what I mean? I still ain't got my PlayStation 5, but you know, it's good. No, I was joking. Oh, I was joking. No, wow. 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 But anyways, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the Earn Time More podcast, y'all, with your host, uh, Concept, and your boy, Faze Styles. Yes, and we're back in a place to be once again, back with another one. Uh, I've already said this, but this is episode 40, and uh, we want to give a shout out to all our sponsors, uh, Factor Herbals and Umara. We just want to give a shout out to y'all and uh, make sure that y'all go on www.factorherbalscode.com and go ahead and use that code ETOPOD for 15% off for your next purchase. Uh, they just actually just came out with their own uh, sea moss. So uh, those of y'all who know the health benefits of sea moss, uh, go on to factorherbalscode.com uh, and go ahead and go get you some sea moss if you if you're in the in the market for sea moss. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. But um, anyways, um, those who are well versed in what's been going on on the internet for the past few days, uh, I believe it was Monday. Because I could swear today is Tuesday, but it feels like a Wednesday. But it damn sure right. is a Tuesday. Right. <laughs> but um, on Monday, I believe uh, we got news that um, the truth came out about Malcolm X's assassination uh, by a, a snitch, a rat. Um, what else you want to call him, uh, FaZe? Uh, a coward. 6 9 uh, uh, 6 9 of his time. <laughs> uh mr ray wood uh he came out uh, and uh, basically uh, on his deathbed he wrote a letter that uh he told his uh his cousin which is funny his cousin's name is uh raymond wood but uh <laughs> yeah he uh he told his cousin that um you know don't don't let this uh information get out yet wait till i die and then you can let the world know what actually happened with malcolm x and uh how we we means uh the fbi cia and the nypd uh set up an assassination attempt that was successful on malcolm x's life assassinate the civil rights activist in harlem eyewitness news reporter naveen dollywall joins us from washington heights naveen 
Yeah, Joe, these are very serious allegations. Uh, the family of an NYPD officer and their attorney now say they have proof that Malcolm X's assassination was conspired by the NYPD as well as the FBI. Now, Ray Wood was an undercover officer with the NYPD back in the early 60s, and his family and their attorney say he wrote a letter in his deathbed confessing to the New York City Police Department and the FBI both conspired to kill the civil rights activist. While that letter was discovered after Wood's death last November, Malcolm X was gunned down in February of 1965 in Harlem. During um, my, my thing is, we, we kind of knew this, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, or we assume that that's what it was, right? Like, it was an inside job. Uh, by the police officers or, or by the opposite party that didn't like the stuff that he said. But they, play, they played it to look like it was like people from his own camp trying to kill him, which which it was. But they yeah. and, and you had a lot of um, black folks who um, who wanted it so bad to be the nation of Islam as to be, you know, the, the fault on the reason why he got assassinated. And Basically, the the letter that Ray Woods uh, wrote confirms that it was not Farrakhan. It was not an inside job by the NOI, but it was actually FBI, CIA, and NYPD informants who infiltrated on some coal Intel Pro uh, type stuff into the Nation of Islam to then um, assassinate Malcolm X. I don't know if I should get into the letter. I think, do you think it's important if I read any passages from the letter right now? Yeah. Uh, whatever you feel, deem as necessary. Yeah. I'd like well, to hear it. Yeah. I'd like I would, to hear it. Yeah. I would like to hear it too. If I, if my damn computer would have picked it up, but it's, it's okay. I had it up and for some reason now it's not up. But um, in a nutshell, um, Ray Woods was talking about uh, Malcolm X had two security, uh, two guys on his security team that were very close to Malcolm, that were very um, overprotective as a security team should be. And um, he was, Ray was saying that uh, they found out that uh, Malcolm's uh, security guy, both of them were very much into, what's the word? They were, they were very much into following and making sure all exits were cleared you know they were just doing their job basically and and they were they were, they were doing it very good to the point that uh malcolm never had an assassination attempt until this one time and uh basically what happened in a nutshell is that the nypd uh came up on those two guys just randomly and gave them fake charges to remove them from the <laughs> next weekend event that uh Malcolm was going to do in Harlem. And so um, when Malcolm went to do his speaking event in Harlem, he um, didn't have his two right-hand man basically there, and it, which allowed them to be replaced and, um, you know, uh, set up to be for Malcolm to be assassinated. But what's the result of this, this new information? Is this a, you know, a new movie plot or... You know, what, what What are we expecting that to happen after this? Well, like you said, I think a lot of black people did already believe that the government had an uh, had in on the assassination attempt on uh, Malcolm X. But what this what this does is I guess it, it, it proves the naysayers wrong. 
because you know you got a lot of uh, black folk who for some reason still entrust in the um the powers that be the the government of the united states to where they don't believe that they could be that much uh malicious or, or sinister to set up something of that sort and um assassinate somebody who was quote unquote great um same with uh like malcolm uh martin luther king you know what i'm saying uh same with patrice lumumba the the government had dealings in the assassination of all three great men who on this episode we're going to consider black messiahs but um i want i wanted to get into how easy it is for the government to um infiltrate uh black circles black activism black uh organizations you know what i'm saying i wanted to get into that because what it seems like to me is that um all skin folk ain't kin folk i know that's a saying that we all probably have heard here on the podcast but um it's it's a reality right like uh i have a a clip from uh hosea williams uh uh born and bred here in atlanta um on the day uh when uh, martin luther king was assassinated and during this clip um, I'm going to play a small snippet of it, but during this clip, he states that um, there was a cameraman, come to find out the cameraman was of Nigerian uh, descent, uh, who, come to find out, was an FBI informant who was there um, taking pictures of Malcolm, and he was the one who basically got all the pictures of the assassination that we saw right there in Tennessee and Memphis. And uh, so I just wanted to get in that, and I wanted to hear... Or, or I guess we all can hear the reaction from both of you guys. So let me uh, let me get this together real quick. My top coat. And I heard this thing say, pow. And I honestly thought someone had thrown a firecrack into the air. And I looked around to rebuke whoever was that stupid. And I heard something, Google fell up above my head. And I looked up and his leg was sticking through the rail. Dr. King only wore one type of sock and one type of shoe. And I knew that was him. I said, oh, my God, they got it. And then I had to run about 50 feet down back up, and I got to him. And uh, Ralph was holding his head, and Andy was there. And a guy from Africa who'd been traveling with us as a, a, a newsman from Africa. We found out later on he was working for the CIA. No, the FBI worked for the FBI. And he'd taken a lot of pictures of Dr. King. And I grabbed him in and threw that stuff, choking Because the bullet hit Dr. King right here. And we found and cut his medulla oblongata, and, and I didn't want people to remember Dr. King with his face shut off. So the Andrew Randy got a towel. And somehow or another, they got took one more picture after I made him into that camera, and uh, it shows Dr. King down with a towel on his face. But I'm gonna tell you, I was an expert gunner in World War II. When I ran up on that balcony, and I looked from whence that bullet had had to come, the distance of that bullet, and just could feel the wind blowing at me. I say, whoever shot that rifle was one of the best in the world. He shot one bullet. And I believe that Dr. King hadn't moved to go back and get his top coat, the bullet would hit it between the eyes. The bullet hit him right here. And but what happened, what happened, and then Ralph said, we'll go in and take him on to the hospital. Jose, you get all the staff together. Three of us saw it, Dr. King, after he was shot. Three SCLC uh executive staff members. And Evan F and Jose William. Those are the three that saw that body. Now listen to that. So I got in the yard and I was about to lose my crew because I was thinking if I could take some molecules out there and make me some guns and kill me some white folks. And one mind said, now be cool. 
you're doing the same thing you promised me you'd never do. And I started crying. And then I heard Jesse Jackson say, he told me, Jesse, take our people onto the mountaintop. And that didn't bother me, even though I know Jesse got nowhere near him. And then Jesse said, uh, I held his head in my hand while he died. And that didn't get to me. And then Jesse said, uh, look at my shirt. And I looked around, showed up, and Jesse Jackson's shirt was drenched in blood. And I realized the only way Jesse could have gotten that blood was stooped out on that floor with the Ray Motel and rake that blood off that floor and put that blood on him. And I went crazy. I really tried to kill Jesse. They grabbed us and all that, but that hurt me so bad. The other thing was, when Abinathan those came back, says, no need to pray, no need to cry, no need to nothing. He is going, it's over. He's going to glory. And we called the meeting, the staff meeting, and Jesse claimed to have been ill. And Abinathan told him, Jesse, go ahead to the room and relax. Jesse had to have run like hell that room into that airport. Because he got out of Memphis and Chicago. All us feeling, everybody was still in the motel, cut the televisions on the next morning. That was Jesse Jackson in Chicago with that same bloody shirt on. His shirt was bloody the next day. He had the same shirt on. Right. I couldn't make out everything the guy was saying, but I gathered that he was basically saying Jesse had something to do with it, or he was either trying to. I don't know. Yeah, Jose, Jose Williams was talking about how um, he was talking about how uh, when Mount Martin got shot, Martin told him to take, you know, take my people to the mountaintop. He told Jesse Jackson that. And then he said when Jose Williams said when he looked up, uh, Jesse's whole shirt was red, but he was insinuating before Martin said that to him, his shirt wasn't red. So he's insinuating that he, put his hand in Martin's pool of blood and wiped it on his shirt. And then he, then he said that Jesse Jackson said, look at my shirt. And then that's when, um, I forgot what the other gentleman's name was. Um, it was somebody else that he said was there, told him to go in the back room and relax. And uh, they were supposed to have some type of meeting or conference the next day, but Jesse didn't show up because he said he was ill. And they turned on the TV and saw Jesse Jackson on TV in Chicago with that same bloody shirt on. So it just it just sounds suspicious as hell. So this is this is why today's episode is really called Judas and the Black Messiahs, because there's always one lurking in the shadows to stab you in the back, even if they physically don't do it. It's always another Negro who you have to watch out for. Yeah, this is a uh, historically uh, proven, and this is uh, proven today even if you try to start your own little um organization there's always people that's in there for the wrong reasons and then people that's in there for the right reasons it's just ah uh, that's that's crazy when, when was this um recording this was the um this is obviously after uh martin got killed uh i don't know the exact date but i'm i'm assuming it was around that time because <laughs> this is hosea williams when he was way younger my thing is, what do we do with this information? I mean, I don't know what to do. You know, J Jesse Jackson isn't wasn't wasn't my leader, but is, I know is, is one of the leaders of uh, the black community. Like, 
Okay, Jesse Jackson is is responsible for, for the reason why we are called African Americans. He's the one who I believe turned the coin African Americans. Hmm. Right. Honestly, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know who was left over after Jesus died. We talk about Messiah's here. Right. Uh, I, I could have did better in my scripture uh, studies back in the day, but. Either way, I I think it's fair to say that the guys, and maybe it's not fair to say, but the people who are left have more or less dropped the ball. Um, you think about Farrakhan stepping up for you know Malcolm and Elijah Muhammad. I mean, Farrakhan holds a lot of weight, but can we really say he's having the same sort of effect that those guys were having? And we're in a different generation, but I mean, he's been under control for quite some time now. Uh, you look at Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, who maybe carry that that more MLK type of energy. Uh, you know, Al Sharpton is a, a news pundit at this point, um, you know, for MSNBC, whatever that is. And and Jesse, I mean, I don't even know what he does anymore. I, I don't know how active he is. He comes out when he needs to. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, you know, as far as the... the they call them power voids um, when they go into these different countries and they take out the leader and then there's a power void or you take out the big gang, you know, the big gang head honcho. And now all the small people are fighting for the scraps. Um, and it usually, I think one of the rules of power, one of the 48 laws of power is never fill a great man's shoes. Um, you don't want to follow behind a great man. It's just, it's just a hard act for anybody. Uh, and I feel like we have this past generation kind of been, you know, I don't say suffering the consequences because they've done a lot of good too, but um, maybe left for one a little bit more, you know. It's it's scary, uh, actually. You know, just just having black people. Um, uh, it, it's just, it's just scary because you, you think of Malcolm X and you think of. Uh, uh, Martin Luther King and how you know these are these are big uh, influencer and they're sacrificial lambs for uh you know for people that are in poverty right so the people that are under him are also people that um, grew up in poverty so the influence of those people money might be more influential than seeing the, the future of their people. <laughs> It, it's scary when when you have people who are um, impoverished people and, and you got a bunch of people under you uh, in, in the organization that's also impoverished. It's easy to um, persuade those people to uh, really infiltrate what you got going on. That's the scary thing about it. And I think black people still go through that today. Or oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, facts, facts. Um, I mean... Uh we really can't speak on a, like a, a current situation like that. Um, Cause I feel like uh, with the advancement of technology uh, preventing another black Messiah from popping up, but then I feel like black people nowadays are too much into individualism and their love for everybody else that they, they really don't want to, uh, fix the black community or, or or bring the black community out of uh, their oppression. I think people rather uh, focus in on 
fucking themselves out of black oppression and in terms of creating more children that might not even come out looking like them. But that's my personal opinion. And so just to add to that, just to add to that, like you, you think of like a black business, right? And, um, you know, their, their first initiative is to get people that are in the community to to work for them. Right. And so, you know, th- th- those people are working for them and then they realize, like, nigga, I can start my own company. Why, why I got to be under you? You know what I'm saying? You, you got people like that, especially in the black community. Like, you know, everyone's trying to be an entrepreneur, which is good, but there's not that much support for people. Right. Like that. I, I uh. It, it brings me back to a com well a li- video I listened to, because um, I definitely didn't mean to disparage Farrakhan. Dude is a wa- one of the wisest speakers I've ever heard, but he's such he's very um, dogmatic in his religious beliefs, which turns certain people off or whatever. But I can still take what he says as merit. And one of the things he was talking about was. Elijah Muhammad, who was the leader of all of them back then, pulling Malcolm out of the prison. And Malcolm was a pimp, you know, a petty thief, might have been more than petty. Um, And he got that second chance. And if you think about it now, in today's society with cancel culture, they would never have let, like you said, a black messiah exist. There would no... Nobody will let you associate with the, the ex-con with Malcolm's past, no matter how much raw talent he had. Um, you think about Obama and his association with some preacher that he had to separate himself from. And Obama said, you know, he surrounded himself with mostly white people, with people that, you know, he wasn't necessarily a figure of blackness or he didn't stand to represent that in that way. But the black people that were around him, they used against him. Um, so your earlier point, but, you know, you just wonder how many black men are, and not even wonder, we know how many black men are in prison, wasting away. And, and I don't even know if there was an Elijah Muhammad today, could he reach in and get, you know, does, is there that openness in young black people to even be, to receive that sort of game? Uh, is something else that you wonder. I, I don't think. I don't think the black people today could even um oh they I hear an echo. I don't think the black people today even have the heart for the sacrifice the people did in the past. You know, everyone's looking for clout or the idea of, of that image than to actually deal with all their um, you know, everything they had to deal with. You know what I'm saying? Like pe- people will probably create a platform and they like the attention of the provocative speech and all that, and they, they like looking like that guy. And I would say Ke- Kevin Samuels, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if there was a black Muhammad, um, Muhammad, whatever. Uh, Messiah. Messiah, I'm sorry, Muhammad. If there was a black Messiah, I, I think today it would be like a Cam- Kevin Samuels type of person that's using it just for uh, monetary gain. You, 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 well, not to get off topic, you think that that's all, that's all Kevin Samuels is using his platform for is monetary game, or do you think monetary game comes with what he's talking about? It comes with what he's talking about, but I can see a bit of it um, taking advantage of uh, what works. You know what I'm saying? Instead so, of like, so, instead so of actually having con- a passion for it. Right. To, to continue on on that point, but to bring it back to what we're talking about. 
um, you know, the nation of Islam uh, in order to build a nation, in order to build a community, in order to uplift the people and remove them out of oppression. There has to be some form of monetary gain, just period, because uh, without any type of money or currency being made, uh, the movement w- will fall flat on its face. If you look at the um, the civil rights movement um, or like SNCC or, or any other type of uh, uh, the Atlanta student movement, any type of movement like that that was going on during those times, they still needed money. They needed the community to fund uh, the things that they did. Uh, Malcolm, I'm not Malcolm X, Martin Luther King had no job yeah he was a preacher but when he went full activist mode he was simply thriving off of donations 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 so when when you look at all of these black messiahs they all survive off of donations or some yeah that's it yeah they all survive off of donations there's there's no way that you can um create a movement centered around um government funds you ever heard somebody say that they got a 501c organization and uh but like black lives matter and uh you know it does it, it's kind of, it's kind of what's, what's the word counterintuitive or however you pronounce it when you're trying to fight an oppressive system but you're also taking money from that same system it makes no sense um it, it's funny uh the idea of the message follows the money right so if the intent was to you know for all these things to your intent your initial intent was is different from where the money is is going to you see what i'm saying right so the message might change based off what's more lucrative and stuff like that i i feel like they can't be a black messiah because we're so um high strong about making money and, and doing this and that i don't know I could be wrong, but there's there's activists out there that don't care about money. Well, well, so you you have um I don't know if you've heard of a brother by the name of uh, Riza Islam. He's a uh, part of the FOI, the Fruit of Islam, uh, part of the NOI, Nation of Islam. Uh, he's one of the young brothers who are around our age. I believe Riza is probably about thirty two to thirty four years old. Who's um he's a seed of Farrakhan, right? So he. He's currently shadow banned on Instagram, shadow banned on uh, Facebook. Um, surprisingly, he's not shadow banned on Twitter or YouTube, but he speaks openly out against vaccinations. And so and he's he's very vocal on black people um, paying attention to what these doctors are doing with black bodies. And, and so because he speaks openly about something that a lot of black that a lot of people um deem conspiracy conspiracy theorist or or uh something that you shouldn't talk about he's been shadowed banned if you look at a uh, farrakhan actually it was funny i uh, post when um we found the next thing and um my post after i posted the video my post said everybody owes farrakhan an apology it never got posted on instagram it uploaded. It gave me the notification that my post was uh, confirmed, but it never got posted on my Instagram page or even the Earn Time Off podcast page. And it's simply because I had a hashtag in there that is banned, which is hashtag Farrakhan. So Farrakhan is not allowed on any social media platform. You know, so that goes back to I think the conversation me and you had phase about with Donald Trump. You know, when they got rid of Donald Trump, people were like, yeah, he's off social media, da, 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 da. But you don't realize that if you can censor the president of the United States, 
What do you mm-hmm. think that what else they can do? I'm not saying that Trump was saying anything that was good or anything that we needed to hear or or anything positive, but he was yeah. still the president of the United States. So it 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 it's not a good thing to 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 censor anyone. I don't care what the message is. There, there yeah, there definitely is an idea of central thought. And if it doesn't follow central thought, you can get blocked. And there's a lot of gatekeepers to communication today because a lot of those com- communication platforms are privately owned. And so it's just based mm-hmm. it's based off of a biased idea. Well, I I, right. I, I got to disagree with you guys. I, I, not disagree, but add a different texture to that uh, conversation because I believe Farrakhan's and I, I don't speak for the man, but I almost would bet Farrakhan's statement on that would be uh, that gives an opportunity for a young black man to create his own Twitter. Why I asked to get on theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be honest, it's a, it's a private company. It's not a it's not a public right, right. utility. Um, right. If I own a company and I don't like you, I don't have to do business with you. Um, right. And that could be political or it could be just off of some petty stuff. So, you know, it does create a slippery slope because, you know, Twitter and, and you know social media exists in this world somewhere between utility, public watering hole, you know, social acceptance. It, it, it kind of meshed into some creature we didn't even know it, it, it was until it got taken away from us. And we're like, well, now I'm being ostracized or... You know, uh, you know, restricted, and and it's like, well, I mean, you still got other platforms, and before this thing came around, you you know, you couldn't do this, but there's a lot of arguments around that. But I do understand, like, yeah, now they can really censor anything. Um, they could the whole time. What I find funny is Facebook and how they operate with their mm. uh, with with the governments that they. Um, you know that they exist in. For example, I think we talked about Myanmar, where like when you buy a cell phone, like it comes with Facebook on it. And in Australia, they don't put uh, Facebook news got like turned off for a while or something because some crazy shit was getting passed around. And I and I think the biggest issue is, if man, I got a great fair con sermon for anybody who want to listen to it, man. It's like a, a six series uh, video of Farrakhan talking about what happened with him and and Malcolm on YouTube. And I'm going to look that up right now. But he was talking about truth and, you know, facts. And, and at the time when Malcolm died, there was a lot of disbelief in what was a fact and what was not a fact, you know, between right. black folks. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, just a, that's just how the world works, man. If we can't agree on facts... And, and so when I, all that censorship shit came across, it's like, well, I, I, I'm going to defeat bad speech with better speech. You know, if you're talking bad, fucked up shit, you know, I'll talk with you. I'm going to make you look stupid. But when you're actually lying and telling people like, un, you know, false truths, it does get kind of dangerous then because it's like you're, you're mind controlling people at that point. Why are you telling them this thing that is not true? So how do we how do we tell the difference between the two? How how can people separate the two? Farrakhan talked about that. He was like actions and words. He said, God, it's God's business 
decide on what's in a man's heart, what's in, what's true or what's not. All you can really do as a man is look at the actions of a man and the words of a man. And if they actions differ from their words, then it should most likely tell you, you should follow their actions. No matter how fancy the words are, the actions hold more weight. But even then it's still some, uh, some gray area. And when you get into you know, social media where you can't really visually see somebody and how they're moving their body language when they talk to you, yeah. what they're saying, it removes a lot of that, that natural ability to discern. Huh. Yep. That, I mean, that, 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 that is definitely true. Um, you know, uh, the, the one great thing that the nation of Islam has done is they, they have, um, created apps before, um, Farrakhan being banned off these, uh, social media platforms is actually not a new thing. I believe that happened in 2019. Um, and, and certain members of his organization who, are, who have been speaking out about, uh, Farrakhan being banned have also been banned as well. Um, but you know, like uh, I think Faze was bringing up just uh, the last podcast, he was talking about the uh, woman who was on the Mandalorian. Disney Plus is a man Mandalorian. She um, was removed from production simply because of her views on how everybody's treating uh, Republican voices. And you know, and and I made a statement. I said, you know, regardless if you disagree with uh, people and the things that they say. I still stand firm with uh, the fact that, you know, people should be allowed to have an opinion. But then again, you know, when you don't own anything and you're working up under people, people can choose to get rid of you simply because they don't like like your opinion. Listen to that. They don't like your opinion. Uh, 50 years ago was because they don't like your skin color. Right. And, 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 and even t- today, a lot of black people. They, they, they'll find ways to get rid of you simply because they don't like your hairstyle or your hair texture or or the tattoos on your neck or on if you got tattoos on your arms and, and, and hands. And so, you know, when 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 we talk about censorship and is it OK, we didn't also have to look at certain other aspects of, of, of discrimination because censorship falls into the lines of discrimination when depending on what it's about and who it's who it's towards. Yeah, that, that reminds me of uh I, I know you guys hate hearing this, but uh the Bachelor Nation, right? Uh the Bachelor, um the host of The Bachelor, Chris Harris, he he's he uh actually got in trouble talking about um race and how the antebellum um parties are um uh, racist twenty twenty, not twenty eighteen, but twenty twenty. And that got him in a lot of trouble with uh, the Twitter, you know, the woke party. That's what that's what he said during the interview. He said the woke people don't understand and they, they just want to cancel someone. And right after that interview, he got canceled. Wait, so he said he said the antebellum parties are racism in 2020? He said they're racist now. They're, they're deemed as racist now, but they weren't racist uh, 2018. You know, the only reason why it's an issue is because it's an issue now. Was because because somebody found out about it and posted it on the internet, so it made everybody else aware. That that's that's usually how things go. Same with like uh, Tariq Nasheed. Um, I wish I still had it posted up, but he basically said, and you know, this is this is kind of along the lines, but we got to just watch how things happen. He basically said that um, 
pay attention. 2021 is going to bring out the first Asian George Zimmerman. With all the things that's going on in society, uh, there's going to be, there's going, and we, we could save that for another podcast, but I want to put that in everybody's head that, you know, there's going to be, um, due to all the, th- the things that are going on with Asian Americans in today's society, that there there is going to be one who's going to retaliate um, in a way that uh, people deem either it's self-defense or that, or that he shouldn't have took it that far or she shouldn't have took it that far. So I just want to put that stamp on the podcast uh, <laughs> timeline so that when it does happen, because I do believe that it is going to happen, that we can come back to this episode and like, yeah, it, it did happen. Well, I mean, George Zimmerman was, was Hispanic. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. He was Hispanic. So, uh, and the Hispanic yeah. community be like, no, 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 he was Jewish. Last name Zimmerman. No, 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 no. Jewish is not a race. He was, he was a, well, Hispanic is not a race either. But yeah, he, he was, he was a white Hispanic Jew. That's what he was. <laughs> Literally that. But yeah, I can see it happening. Um, but, um, mm-hmm. You know, they got a, there's a, there's a Asian Trayvon Martin right now. There. Mm. That's mm. the guy. That's the guy Sharpton stepped up for recently. Uh, and this is kind of the conversation James and I had had prior to uh, I'm face had prior about uh the <laughs> the Asian community right now. There's cries, not cries. I don't want to diminish it, but uh, there's. The word that they're being discriminated on based off the coronavirus um, and there's racism around that um, or, you know, ignorance and bias and and, and people are kind of just giving them, you know, extra shit. Uh, and me personally, I can believe it. it's not hard for me to believe it. Then they've got a lot of it on tape. What's new now is apparently an unarmed Asian kid got killed. And and Al Sharpton was out there talking about it, and I I don't know, I don't know that it's on video. I don't, I don't know the whole situation, but I knew Al was out there talking. Um, and it, I I found it quite ironic. Killed by who? A cop. Oh, okay, that guy's going straight to jail. Uh, <laughs> Under the jail. Um, well, I'd be curious. It'll be interesting to see. That 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 was my whole point. Was they're using. They're rolling out our playbook for their plight. Let's see how it works for them. And now they got Al Sharpton. Now they got Al Sharpton out there, which for me, he's only he's like a again he's like an optics thing. He's a he's a pundit, so you know he's just doing his job being out there. Uh, but of course, he gets credited with representing and speaking for black people, as any black person is when they get. You know, on TV. For Al, Al, Sharp, Al Sharpton is a race hustler. He's, He's a race hustler. hustler. Yeah. His, yeah, his yeah. career is simply based off of uh, what he does. That's that's it. Al Sharpton brings no, 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 nothing new to today's environment. It's the same old trick. He's a one-trick pony. They, they have... he, he would be out of work if if things were the way he's supposed to be trying to make him make it be. He would be out of work. So it's no. kind of like. So, so wait, wait. So you telling me that Asian brother got Al Sharpton and Al Tashima in, in the in the background, working for him? Man, that cop's in trouble, bro. <laughs> that cop's in trouble. Look, I, I'll, I'll say this though, like like brother Malcolm uh, has said before about the the white liberal 
versus the white Republican. If he was alive today, more than likely, um, he would he would uh, tell us, you know, this is not our fight to fight. Um, you know, with because if you look at a situation like Peter Liang, what happened in New York in Brooklyn when that uh, Asian cop Peter Liang uh, killed um, killed the black brother up there uh, uh, in cold blood, uh, who was unarmed. Uh, the Asian community came out in droves and uh, and rallied behind this police officer. You understand what I'm saying? And and the black community obviously rallied behind the uh, the black victim. And they, crazy. they they claimed that, you know, well, he was a criminal. He was a criminal. He deserved what he got. So, you know, when you have situations like that, uh, the Nation of Islam teaches you worry about your own because everybody else does, too. In a perfect world, everybody would, you know, uh, care about one another. And I'm not saying that um, I don't, you know, uh, sympathize with that that uh, young Asian man's uh, parents or his if he had a wife or a girlfriend. It's, I'm not saying that. But what it is, is it's just a reality that we live in. We live in America. That's what it is. We live in America. America is a white supremacist, racist society. It will always be a white supremacist, racist society. Racism will never go because it's etched into the fabric of the american flag so once people who come over here from different parts of the world understand what they purposely put themselves into then they'll be able to learn how to maneuver through the system just like we have we we've been able to survive in a racist society uh for over 500 years you know understand what i'm saying so the asian community is gonna have to figure it out and um, hopefully with this happening and them going now that now it's the, the spotlights on them, maybe now they can look at it and say, OK, we see what black people are going through. We see what black people are going through. We see what they've been going through. So um, let's take a different approach and, 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 and stop putting our hands on black women at the nail salon. Stop, stop, stop uh, uh, disrespecting black people in, uh, when we have our businesses in black communities. So if I once we see an attitude change with with just not what what do we call them outsiders in our community, I think then that's when black people could say, okay, uh, let's 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 have a roundtable discussion so that we can end racism all together in America. But I what, doubt it's going to happen. What's that movie? Uh, oh, Gangs of New York. Remember Gangs of New York? Mm-hmm. Um, here's the reason why you know we can have this separate conversation um, about the Asian community and the black community. But I watched this movie called uh, Gangs of New York. With Leonardo DiCaprio. With Leonardo DiCaprio, where the Irish gangs and the Italians, all these different um, people who migrated to America, they were just living into in this one area. And, of course, when you have that, that melting pot, people are gonna, ain't going to like, you know, like each other. But when there was a big war, all, that, that anger directed... Uh, solely to black people at one point and they all collaboratively killed black people mm-hmm. so it's just like they were all, they were all hated they all hated white people too and they were all treated unfairly but mm-hmm. they ganged up together just to kill black people and you know what would happen if that happened in 2021 you'll have black people like herschel walker you have black people like uh, uh, uh jesse lee peterson candace owens you understand what i'm saying uh, the Hodge twins, 
uh who else james name 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 some more coons that that, that we, we we can name we're gonna put their name out there right uh who would some somebody say kevin samuels mm, i don't know about that one <laughs> oh, you said Kev who? Kev be cooning? I didn't know that. No, Kev don't be cooning. What what it is? That's is what people, they said. Black women people, they be cooning. Yeah, well, we we know it's not even about black women. It's about uh, women in general, or we could just say people in general. People don't like to be held accountable for for their fuck ups. Mm-hmm. So 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 they're gonna try to find a way to discriminate, um, uh, discredit Kevin Samuels. You know, and it's funny that you brought that up, Faze, because. Some woman tried to get Kevin Samuel's ex-wife involved in this whole thing to get her to say something negative mm. about Kevin Samuels, and and his ex-wife didn't say a goddamn thing. She yeah. stayed on cold because he's still paying the bills. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> right, right. right. Wow. Oh. But but it's funny that you brought that up about gangs in New York, really, because. That's when the Judases come back into play into this conversation. The Judases would would find a way to infiltrate any type of black militia or, or black congregation to to uh, strategically disrupt uh, any type of black war front. If we're if we're talking about gangs going at, at war with each other, you know when you, when you look at a chessboard, the the one piece that people are going to protect the most is the king, right? But the one who's the most versatile is the queen. You understand what I'm saying? But the pawns are ones that you just throw out there to, um, to so you can uh, uh, basically uh, uh, sacrifice them so that you can get to your objective. And when you look at the Judases, the Judases um, are pieces on that same chessboard where people use so they can get to the king. Malcolm was the king. Mark um uh Marcus Garvey was a king. Luckily he didn't get assassinated. Um uh, Malcolm X was a king. Anybody else that you can think of that they don't even have to be a black messiah or a black person, but somebody who was assassinated by a government. This has been going on for so long. You know, when you look at uh Caesar, who was the Caesar of Rome, he was killed by who? Brutus. Brutus was his Judas. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus Christ was turned into the Romans by Judas. You know what I'm saying? So, um, well, it, 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 that's the catch 22 of life, man. Sometimes the greatest leaders mm-hmm. also pose the biggest threat to the, mm-hmm. to the, you know what I mean? To the country, to the, to the greater good, because they get so much power, but they right. can, the transformation, a dictator oriented leadership can have on a country if it's just and if it runs on solid principles is much stronger because the buck stops with them it's just a lot more efficient they don't have to go through all the bureaucracy of democracy um but it's just liable to corruption and that 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 person at the top you know getting big-headed um which is you know what Farrakhan might I've heard him say things like that about Malcolm but I don't want to completely mischaracterize that either but this is why there's some suspected stuff within the Muhammad, uh, the the Muslim Brotherhood uh, involved with that. But it's nice to know, and we talked about where we go now, James, with that information. It's nice to know that even though there was some animosity there, it wasn't it it wasn't an order from you know Elijah Muhammad or Farrakhan or something. So it is nice to know that. 
Um, but with these leaders, man, I, I really feel like they got rid of our messiahs, like you said. You know, Fred Hampton's another one. Obviously. Fred Hampton, yep. Obviously, Judas and the Black Messiah, the movie that just came out, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just, you know, and that guy, the dude, if you watch the movie, I don't want to spoil nothing, but it's, I mean, it definitely fits the name. Um, and it's, I almost feel like it's a cultural thing because even in India, and I was watching that shit on India the mm-hmm. other day, they, they all the same race, but they have a caste system. Mm-hmm. They, they found a way to discriminate on that. And, and, and if you're on that bottom caste, you don't want to tell nobody that that's what you are and you can't walk around. It's not in your skin, but it's a, it's a common thing. Well, what's your family? What's your last name? Where are you from? And they figure it out that way. And so it's like human beings are going to find a way to discriminate against each other and form a hierarchy. The funny thing about the black culture in America, the way we discriminate against each other, it's not even, it's not even like a set in stone system. It's kind of like petty hate, you know, and, um, it really is, and, and just kind of individualistic, you know, individualism, I guess, just being focused on self. Uh, and so this this kind of like sense of community that we're missing, especially in a country where we're kind of on our own, it just, I don't know, it, it makes it that much worse. I think you said it all, Mark, like, you know it needs to happen, but will it ever happen? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, um. I don't know what we need to do, but there has to be a way that we can vet out these Judases or these, yeah, these Judases in, in, in our community. Um, when, when you look at, um, when you look at this letter, cause I'm over here looking at the letter right now. There was a, there was a statement and I said this earlier, but there was a statement where he says that, uh, for 10 years, I have carried this confession secretly in fear of what could happen to my family and myself if the government found out what I knew, right? So there's there's a thing when it comes to cooning. I'm gonna call it that because you know when you go against your own people, that's cooning. And so this man, obviously, what he did uh, is haunting him. It haunted him for the rest of his life to the point that that his uh, what is it called? His um, his conscience tapped in and was like, damn, I shouldn't have did that. Damn, I, I I shamed my race. I shamed my people. You understand what I'm saying? And and it, it says right here, it says Ray Wood confessed that he, the NYPD, and the U.S. government all made sure Malcolm X wasn't um, adequately protected from assassination during his final speech. And uh, in quotations, it says, I participated in actions that in hindsight were deplorable and detrimental to the advancement of my own black people. So he was he was well aware of the things that he did, and he took this with him to his deathbed like a fucking coward. Instead of letting us know all oh, this, twenty years down the line, he waited till he uh, he waited until he died from stomach cancer to to say this because he had the fear of what it would have done to his family. Well, then guess what? You should have just went to jail like they they originally picked you up to do. If if you were gonna feel this way, damn. Man. Yeah, I think the way to get rid of them, man, is 
you talked about poverty, James, being uh, prevalent within our groups. The people are so hungry, they're not hearing nothing else. Um, but I think ment mental poverty, I think, I think mentally, I mean, this ain't nothing new. Us as a race, us as a people, um, we, have, we, we experience trauma, basically. We're, we have PTSD. Um, and, it, and it makes it very hard for us to have relationships with each other and with the world uh, at a functional basis. Um, for every step forward, there's two steps back. And the world has to acknowledge, if you got a PTSD victim, you, you don't walk in there expecting this person to be a model of perfection. You expect them to have some difficulties, but as long as they're trying, you know, you work with that person and, and, and you heal. Another Malcolm X quote, I think, was like, and this just goes back to the whole racism thing, but you know, put a knife in a man's back. If you put a knife in a man's back, when you only pull 70% of it out, you know, that 30% is still in there. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like we got stabbed in the back and y'all ain't pulled the whole knife out yet. And then once you right. pull the knife out, once you pull the knife out, you need to dress the wound and let that heal, right? Because you're going to bleed out. And so it's like, where's the consideration for the wound that was created? But, you know, the so crazy. Well, I think what the, what the end result of uh, phase, which you said earlier during this podcast, um, is you, I think you said, uh, well, you know, what, what do we do now with this information, right? Um, right. Well, two of Malcolm's six daughters are now uh, asking for the case to be reopened so that they can file a lawsuit against the United States government and the NYPD. So it all comes back to monetary gain. And I think they do deserve a form of reparations for the United States government for killing their father and the amount of trauma that they experienced as children. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, some of them didn't even grow up with their father, weren't even old enough to remember what he looked like. You understand what I'm saying? That now, now you gotta prove it, right? Now you gotta, you know, this is he said, she said. And this well, is from, it's from a man that his it, words were a lie. Well, it, man. <laughs> it, it's it's kind of it's kind of accurate. So for him to write, um for him to write this letter. There's documentation that proves in the uh, NYPD and the United States government database that he was a, uh, an NYPD informant. And then there's video and photo proof that he was there during the, the, the day of the assassination. So, you know, with that, I, I don't think that it's going to be a hard case. But then you also got to remember that the, the FBI did come out and admit that they assassinated Martin Luther King. No, the CIA came out and admitted that, and that that actually happened. Twenty nineteen, they admitted that uh, that they that they had an involvement in the assassination of of uh, Martin Luther King, and that was it. There was there was nothing done, uh, knowing that information. So we'll see. But I, I I think that the the overall lesson is for black people to understand, like just like a a reassurance that you know, um, ain't shit changed. Ain't nothing different. Tuskegee happened. Now we got Fauci talking about vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. Like history repeats itself, ladies and gentlemen. We are not Hispanic. We are not white. We are not Asian, right? We come, we don't come, we didn't come to this country 
with a clear conscience and 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 understanding uh the pursuit of happiness and and uh the american dream we were in this country in bondage and uh been through reconstruction slavery uh jim crow mass incarceration like how many times does the united states government have to tell you we don't like you niggas <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? how many times does that have to happen before black people understand okay we're here we want things to change but the way that we've been doing them currently isn't doing it fast you know so yeah. I don't know, you know. I don't know either. We all got our president and our, <laughs> and our madam vice president. So hopefully uh President um Jim Crow Biden and uh Kamami Harris uh can go ahead and do what they need to do uh, to help us out here in the black community because uh it's been about two, not even two months, about about what's about six weeks, Josh, about six weeks since the inauguration happened. Not even about a month. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, just over a month. So it's been a month, and uh, Joe Biden has signed several executive orders, um, many that benefit all people, many that benefit specific groups, but none that benefit us. So I'm still waiting, and I'm going to holler at y'all in June uh, <laughs> after a six-month trial. June 20th, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back, and, and, and we're going to uh, – delve into what exactly black people have gotten within the first six months of this presidency uh, i'll give them to juneteenth the juneteenth you think uh, yeah, you, that that sounds <laughs> that sounds like the democrats to wait till <laughs> on some symbolic shit so you're right so we'll we'll, we'll wait till june 19th actually and yeah. see what happens you know what i'm saying <laughs> sounds about right but anyways, y'all, just always remember that all skinned folk ain't kin folk. Watch out for them Judases. And when we do ever come up on another black messiah, we need to protect him or her um, just as, as best we can. We're going to have to protect them. Otherwise, we're going to still be here 50 years from now, and there's going to be another group of kids who are going to take on the mantle of the Earn Time More podcast talking about the same tired shit. And with that being said, y'all, this is episode 40 of the Earn Time More podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the ETO podcast. And you can listen to us on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And you can watch us visually here on YouTube at the Earn Time More podcast. Yes, sir. And uh, you can follow me at uh, J Boogie Styles on um, Instagram, but also on Twitter at Con underscore Dan. And my hey, fault, man. Hey, hey, my fault, Con. I know you to put your socials out. There. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Josh. You, you got anything you want to pitch? I know you, you're not about to pitch your, your, your Tinder back on there, right? Nah, man. I, you know, I, I regret that looking back. I regret that. <laughs> it's different me. I've actually no, deleted that. You didn't get no swipes off that? Oh, you deleted it. Okay. <laughs> I deleted it, man. I deleted it. Had a whole spiritual revival in the last couple months. So, but yeah, man, y'all see me when y'all see me. How about that? All right. Well, y'all can follow me uh, at It's Your Boy Concept on Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. You can follow me on It's Your Boy TV. So, with that being said, y'all, this is the Earn Time More podcast. Um, we're going to holler at y'all at another one. Peace. Peace.